أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه السلام عليكم everyone I have no clue if uh, you're actually watching this or if you can see this uh, I hope you can if you can give us some kind of a comment or something uh, but Zakallah Khairan for uh, tuning in we haven't done this for a while since the uh, lockdown began this is the Islam Trinity live kind of unscripted podcast and uh, many of us have been um you know looking at the news coming out from Batley and some of the mainstream kind of hysteria and, uh, uh, and narratives um with a bit of annoyance okay it's working alhamdulillah can you hear me <laughs> i'm just speaking to hamza here it's probably a big delay uh but um with yeah okay it's working so it's working. uh so no surprise there we've got hamza george is joining us uh today alhamdulillah uh let me just switch over to the screen with the uh, magic of uh both of us now Yeah, mashallah. Assalamualaikum Hamza. <laughs> Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to this very slickly and non uh, last minutely uh, organized live stream. How's it going? <laughs> it's good, it's good. I apologize I don't have very good lighting here. I do I do apologize. No, no, there's enough noor coming out of your um your screen from my face and reflecting on you. So, <laughs> what do you think I was going to say? Uh, so we've both been looking at the uh, the news coming out. uh to the last few days uh, i think 22nd of march the uh this this thing happened with this teacher you know and a bit of you know um different reports coming out what actually happened but long and short of it is showing some cartoons and teaching the kids to you know take it on the chin and this is you know blasphemy and uh, all that kind of stuff is against you know um the spirit of free speech and all that kind of stuff so um a lot of people have been looking at it and saying oh not this again um but there's also a very important kind of um dimension of you know speaking up and uh, defending and showing your love for rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam um what do you think what was your initial reaction when you heard about this uh, these stories and stuff my initial reaction or well, one of my initial reactions was Here we go again. Mm. It's freedom of speech versus the backward Muslims. Now I don't know the context and the variables of what happened concerning the teacher. I know it's a little bit more nuanced than maybe what we are some of us are saying it is. Given the fact that there are other student accounts and so on and so forth, so I'm not in a position to justly mm. talk about what actually happened in the classroom. But what i can talk about hopefully is the incoherence of the false narrative that it's about freedom of speech versus muslims yeah. and you know for god's <clears throat> sake it just shows how really i don't know what words to use to be honest we've become so sorry stupid <laughs> you know it's a stupid argument yeah. i mean stupid is a light word to use I mean, you probably take nothing. it personally because you're you're into like you know your philosophy and and reading and stuff like that. And this is like a to to describe this as simply uh, reduce it to free speech versus some um, religious kind of sensibilities is is like a celebration of illiteracy. Yeah, that's a very polite way of putting it. It's that's some polite like that. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but come on. Sometimes we have to call a spade a spade yeah. and. This has nothing to do with freedom of speech is to do with values. 
even from a philosophical point of view, mm. it's very hard to find in the philosophical academic discourse someone advocating for absolute freedom of speech. I don't think it exists. And if it does, it's considered an incoherent position because they say you should be able to say anything, anything irrespective of implication and context. And if you don't, if you restrict it, then it's a slippery slope to mm. tyranny. But this is a false, it's, 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 a, it's a fallacious argument because one could argue, therefore, that saying anything you want could be a slippery slope to anarchy. <laughs> so it does, you know, the door swings both ways. And the academic David Van Mill, he actually articulates this really, really well mm. that there are restrictions to speech and those restrictions can be justified. Just because there's restrictions, it doesn't mean now all of a sudden you've insulted this kind of, you know, the, the holy the holy calf, right? The golden calf, your golden calf, your intellectual golden calf or pseudo-intellectual golden calf. You know, that people, they have this, some kind of false ad mm. adoration to this idea. It's like sub-mental adoration using the words of Martin Lings. It's sub-mental, really. It's not even, it's not even intellectual. It's sub-mental. I really think it's a, it's based on their shahawat. It's just they just want to they want to be they yeah. don't want nothing to impose on them. They don't want no sense of you know there is a master above them. They just want to worship themselves. It's it's shahawat. It's pure utter desire. Frankly, we should stop the live screen stream. You don't even have to intellectually discuss it. It's not even an intellectual position. It's okay, thanks for tuning position. in, guys. Um, I hope you like this. Give it a like and share. Uh, but anyway, look. Notwithstanding the passion, I think it's very important to understand that. The academics and in the in the philosophy, philosophical discourse, they say that there's no such thing as absolute freedom of speech from the point of view it's mm. not coherent. Since it's not coherent, then we have to appreciate that freedom of speech is going to be the, in the context of other competing values. So mm. the, <clears throat> David Van Mule, he makes that point, it's other competing values. So the question therefore becomes, what are your values? Yeah. Now, you have to understand the history of freedom of speech from the perspective of that, you know, if you go to John Stuart Mill yeah. and others, you see that it's there as an instrument. It's an instrument for justice. It's an instrument for truth. It's an instrument yeah. to accountability. <clears throat> and, and I mean, in Islamic, was, in Islamic terminology, you'd say it's, it's maqsudun li dhati or maqsudun li, um, li ghayri. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So from the perspective yeah. of... If something is, is desired in and of itself or intended yes. by the lawgiver in and of itself, um, or is it intended as a means to something else? Good. Yeah. So it's either instrumental, it mm. has intrinsic value. That's what we would say mm. in the philosophical language. So not, no one would say it has intrinsic value because that, that would be bizarre because that would be almost suggesting... But that's how, that that's how people... That that's the, the the belief that they betray when they do these types of uh, tamasha, right? Because they're assuming yeah, it's something kind of sent down on a tablet that yeah, thou shall must have free speech just for the sake of free speech. No, free speech is instrumental because mm. if because there are so many situations where you can use your so-called liberty to express yourself. And it goes against the fundamental objectives or goals of freedom of speech. Yeah. I'll give an example. Imagine Stephen Hawking, the late academic scientist. He wanted to announce the truth of his new theory. And he starts his presentation 
spending around 15 minutes insulting the lineage and the mothers of everyone in the room. Is that going to be conducive to him yeah. expressing the truth of his theory? Of course not. Good. Another thought experiment. Imagine we go to the Chinese consular or the Chinese ambassador in London and we manage to speak to him and we want to hold him to account and call him a mm. genocidal maniac, which he is, right? The, gen the CCP are genocidal maniacs. Imagine though, in speaking to him and we want to take him to account, we start insulting Chinese culture. Yeah. Is that going to be effective accountability, bro? Well, no, but you're Thank assuming you. you're assuming accountability is the um, the aim of the game to start with. That's and the that's, point. That's so not what's happening here, is it? Agreed. But this is what we need to articulate to people because mm. what we need to show them is that since freedom of speech has objectives, it's an instrument to certain ends such as truth, accountability, and progress. Because that's the argument they make. Yeah. Oh, you have to have freedom of speech because. The minute you talk, you have to risk being being offended. And you have to risk offending others because truth is so important. Yeah. And you hear <clears throat> even P Professor Peterson, Jordan Peterson, making such claims as well. I think they're very unnuanced. And you know, he's not a philosopher, he's a psychologist, and it shows. Because when you unpack the idea, it's not that simple. It's yeah. simply not that simple. You have to understand that if your goal is truth, then the way you express yourself would have to be conducive to truth. Yes, I appreciate that gray areas. Some things are going to offend people anyway. But there and are there's, some a different, there's a difference between accidentally causing offense in trying to make a rational point and wanton, deliberate summary yes. and insult. Yes, absolutely. So some of these thought experiments that we've just given you shows that your so-called liberty to express yourself, even to the degree where you think liberty to insult and to degrade is part of freedom of speech. In actual fact, mm. it goes against the very objectives of freedom of speech. These are enough to make people realize that, okay, we need to now be a little bit more nuanced in how we understand this situation. So, yeah, Ironically, it's, uh, it's quite a... Uh uh, kind of literalistic and very dogmatic of some people just to hang on that that um, slogan of free speech without actually looking at the the, 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 the philosophical and the moral in, intentions behind you know coming to a conclusion that it's actually something good in its proper place it's a bit like you know somebody um, you know finding an example obviously your mind goes blank uh, but uh, like a Muslim for example you know um, staying away from alcohol uh, but doing so by you know smoking weed all the time or something, because saying well I'm staying away from alcohol because so they're, they're following the literal, uh, you know not drinking wine but they're drinking some other intoxicant, not knowing that the point of saying don't drink alcohol is to not be intoxicated, so not understanding that certain rulings, certain instructions, certain moral kind of imperatives are a means to something some other underlying reality. Um, yes. Leads to absurdities and leads to kind of this dogmatism, and it reminds you of, the, of what people, a lot of people say about um, secularism, per se. It's just that it's not neutral as it's as it's presented to be. It's actually just blind to its own religi religiosity. Yes, right? yes, um, and and that's why we have to bring these discussions to 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 the forefront. 
of the discourse. And what's important is this. We also have to show the inconsistencies. At least be inconsistent. Fine. There's On one hand, you could be incoherent philosophically, mm-hmm. but be consistent with your incoherence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on. At least, at least have some quote. virtue somewhere. Be yeah. virtuous in something. Fine. You're not going to follow truth properly. You're not going to be coherent. But at least be in, at least be consistent with your incoherence. Like for example, someone did a Twitter post saying something offensive about the very nice old gentleman that recently passed away from COVID, and he raised like millions of pounds for the NHS. He was, he was. Mm. I think the police charged him for an offense, right? And now no one would ever say, especially in our British public, would ever say, oh, you know, you should have let him say it's his freedom of speech. Because it's not civil. We have this understanding of civility. Because if you remember what David Van Mill says, it's about competing values. Most philosophers and academics concerning freedom of speech it's about competing values, okay? Because he says, and this is taken from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, he says, the first thing to know in any sensible discussion of freedom of speech is that it will have to be limited. Mm. Every society places some limits on the exercise of speech because it always takes place within a context of competing values. Yeah. <clears throat> now, one of the values that we have, hopefully in a British context, hopefully in a human context, is civility. If you don't have civility, it could be actually antithetical to the objectives of freedom of speech. If you don't have civility, how are you going to acquire truth? If you don't have civility, how are you going to pursue truth? If you don't have civility, how are you going to take people to account in the most appropriate way? If you don't have civility, how are you going to have scientific advancement and progress? So civility is so important, but there is an inconsistency on how we're using civility, and it exposes an ideological and political discourse that's happening at the moment because there's Islamophobia that's rampant. You have a denigrated minority called the Muslim community and it's okay to kick them when they're down. This is not decent behavior. It's not civility. And that's why, you know, you have, you know, the French laicite, I call them extremists. They're extremists, honestly. They have, they're incoherent, the philosophically incoherent and the they're arrogant. Wow, they're intellectually yeah. arrogant, pseudo-intellectual arrogance, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's about our liberty to express themselves. But the minute you say <laughs> anything about the trickle or flag, or you defame the national anthem, you're in prison. Yeah. I mean, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Wallahi, kufr would always contradict itself. Yeah, I mean, even 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 people always contradict itself. Even people in France, non-Muslims have pointed out, you know, those who are um kind of cognizant of the racial undertones racist undertones of the whole charlie abdo stuff is like you know um middle-aged white dudes punching down on you know depicting uh, african migrant women and uh you know uh, dehumanizing uh, characters and all that kind of stuff they're, they're like we see what you're doing that's not part of uh you know the spirit of free speech and so forth um the and and so it's very important to just dwell on the point that you mentioned about um, competing values and what I n- normally describe as concretizing, right? Um, because that's that's kind of the key. You see, whenever something like this happens, the mainstream narrative uh, and the political establishment discourse is what 
there's these, uh, you know, backward savage people who are upset because of their religiosity. Religiosity is something personal. They shouldn't, you know, uh, bring it out into the public domain. We just need to civilize them. Now, the, 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 the thing that we need to push is, and reframing that narrative, is to rec- remind people that it's not an issue of, um, you know, Muslims are upset again about something in unreasonable full stop. It's the issue of Muslims exerting their subjectivity, i.e., they're um, they're outraged that these former colonial subjects would dare to um, demand that their um, their uh, uh, their concretization of competing values, how they how the cards fall for them, that they be treated as equals when it comes to the you know the the offending secular um, white post Christian. Secular kind of uh, norms and tastes, Absolutely. so it's not an it's not an issue of it's like when when uh, you know somebody even in, in amongst Muslims right when when we might get a bit um, uh, silly in how we kind of discuss things each, with each other and 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 not uh, you know follow the, the proper adab and so forth. Someone Which might happens, <laughs> maybe a bit. Someone <laughs> might th- say, for example, um, disagree with your concretization of two competing values right you might say for example you know um when you're traveling this distance uh you know shorten your prayers or whatever that exact thing right and the 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 ease and the shortening the prayers or whatever someone else might say so another school of thought might say you know actually this thing takes precedence over that so you wouldn't travel you wouldn't shorten your prayers you wouldn't um um combined prayers unless it's this this and that condition so an ignoramus would say you're going against the sunnah right Mm. and what is actually happening is their concretization their fatwa their implementation is different to your one and when you implement a ruling or in any ethical consideration uh, you have to always juggle sometimes competing things right like for example bravery um, or, or forgiveness yeah forgiveness is something good right Forgiveness is a good value. However, if someone's being oppressive and oppressing someone else, are you going to be overly forgiving on someone else's behalf? No, you're not. So it's the issue of yes. the implementation being different to the the the, the theory. And this is the, what the whole, for example, Sabil curriculum is built on, right? This difference between sources, understanding something and its implementation and the, and the proper manhaj methodology yes. of going through that. Now, this is the same when it comes to um, freedom of speech, for example, freedom of speech, just uh, uh, personal liberty, appropriateness and inappropriateness, beauty and ugliness. These value-based kind of propositions, they have to be juggled by people, and will come out with people will come out with you know this takes precedence over that, that takes precedence over this. So they'll say this is your idea of appropriate, appropriate well, or inappropriate behavior. Yes. Yeah, so, but but from but the the the, the point is. The Muslim parents, they should have the right to say for our children, this is what we deem inappropriate and inappropriate. But the way it's spun is blasphemy, freedom of speech. When in actuality, it's an issue of this person's ideal concretization or when, when they juggle the competing values of this person's, ideas, this person's idea of what is appropriate versus these people's idea of what is appropriate. And when Muslims rise to demand equal treatment and say for our children for our school this is our idea of appropriateness and inappropriateness and we have the right 
if somebody's a you know a so and so who's who's showing our ch- children inappropriate stuff, it's our right, but it's it's our right to say get lost, right? But it's spun through that ancient kind of narrative of religious zealot uh, blasphemy versus you know uh, free speech. Well, it's in a nutshell. I think what you're saying is that they're basically saying you should value what we value. Yeah. So the powers that be are basically saying to the Muslim community, and they and they do it to other communities too, they're saying you should value what we value. And you should prioritize your values the way we prioritize them. Absolutely. And you should restrict speech mm. the way we want to restrict speech, not the way you want to restrict speech. Mm. But the true discussion that should be have, had is, what are the values that are going to facilitate a civil society that is based on, you know, progress, truth, accountability in a way that is good for society as a whole. Now, let's, let's turn the thought experiment the other way around. Imagine this religious teacher, and I'm not judging the situation because to be honest, I don't know the nuances behind it. But imagine this religious teacher, he basically put up a cartoon that was anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the children were from the Jewish tradition that were Jewish. Would that even be allowed? I mean, would would it even enter the mind of the teacher to do that in any context? In any context, given the kind of history of what's happened in Europe? That that wouldn't even be... Mm. It, they wouldn't even have a foot in the door. So given that example <clears throat> and that, you know, mini thought experiment goes to show that there is a kind of treatment for one minority in this way and for another in another way, which exposes what? It exposes an internal psychology that, you know, the Muslims must be a denigrated minority unless... They adopt the values that we have, and un- unless you know they have you know the same ideological perspectives as we have, and this is very unjust, mm. and it's not conducive to um, a a cohesive society. And then I, I saw one philosopher on Twitter, you know, acknowledging the fact that you know this would be used against Muslims, and Muslims are already kind of denigrated in some way. That's how he was coming yeah. across, but he said that's besides the point. But it's not. It is part of the point because it exposes an inconsistency in the treatment of different peoples within your society. So what kind of message are you showing people? So this has to be explained as well. So in the context of competing values, bro, take, for example, the Article 10 of the Human Rights Act in 1998. It says everyone has the right to freedom of expression. However, and it continues, Mm. speech may be subject to formalities, conditions, restrictions, or penalties as prescribed by law and are necessary in a democratic society. Mm. And what are these restrictions? So it elaborates in the interest of national security. So that's a value, right? National security is a value. Territorial territorial integrity of or, or public safety, another value, rightly so. For the prevention of disorder or crime, for the protection of health or morals, right? And so on and so forth. So there is an acknowledgement in law that there's going to be restrictions which are based on morality. So here's a question. Is it moral, is it of value to deliberately degrade and defame a prophetic figure in order to pursue what you think is 
a lesson. You know, it, it is a value for some people because, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَا تَسْمَعُوا لِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَالْغَوْ فِيهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَغْلِبُونَ the, this, the, the, the people who disbelieve say, in the time of the Prophet in Makkah, the Quraysh would say, uh, don't listen to this recital, don't listen to this Quran and make noise during it so that you may be successful, right? So uh, from, from that angle, if somebody is hell-bent on denying the Quran or is, is, it feels that, that it's some kind of personal loss for them for, for the truth to be kind of uh, manifest, then they're going to try whatever they can, tooth and nail, to try and distract, to try and denigrate. So it, so the, the, the resort to mockery, insult, uh, caricature and so forth is the preserve of the the person who's lost an argument, really. I mean, that's yes, why we that's say true. put down and the coloring book, put, put down yeah. the crayons, and pick up a a book, uh, you know, in lieu of some some rational debate instead of. But this is the point. That's why we yeah. need to. If if now the argument is that there's no such thing as absolute freedom of speech, the slippery slope argument, the door swings both ways. We know it's incoherent. We know, as academics say. There are restrictions, and it's based yeah. on a it's based on a competition of values, and therefore morals. So we should have a discussion now. What values and morals must we have in a society, in order to basically fulfill the key objectives of freedom of speech, yeah. which is truth, accountability, and progress? Now you know what's very interesting when you have this kind of bizarre absolute attitude to freedom of speech. You you create a post truth culture. You create a culture where people don't care about truth anymore. They just care about what they want to say, whenever they want to say, how they want to say, irrespective of, of, of implication. Mm -hmm. And you have a Trump era, <clears throat> right? You have a post-truth Trump type of era. Reap what you sow. It's because there is no effective contemporary mm -hmm. discussion on what values and morals must be the ones that we adopt in order to have the necessary restrictions of speech in order mm. for us to fulfill the objectives of freedom of speech as a truth, accountability, and progress, as we said in the beginning. So it's not just, oh, it's necessary to have freedom to insult and to degrade because that would that's necessary for freedom of speech. No, it's not. <laughs> because as we said previously in the beginning, there are four experiments that you could articulate that basically prevent yeah. or they basically do not enable the objectives of freedom of speech to manifest in society. For, you know, I will use the example of uh, Stephen Hawking's, if he had this new true scientific theory and he started by spending 15 minutes insulting everyone's lineage and mother, it, that's not going to be yeah. conducive to him. I basically. wonder if you could get a, get, get a fatwa or something for any time somebody makes that argument, you just start swearing at them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to see, yeah. just insulting them once on in, once on insult, just to teach them the point, the difference yeah. between accidentally, you know, uh, offending someone whilst making a cogent point and uh, deliberately trying to provoke and insult someone. But that's what we need to say yeah. to people that we shouldn't fall for the freedom of speech trap. And we say this has nothing to do freedom of speech. It's absolutely values yeah. and morals, as we discussed for the software to give them this perspective. Mm. And it's really them saying. We want you to value what we, we value. We want you to have this moral paradigm, a which prioritize. is really a secular, it's a secular paradigm. You, we, and that needs to be challenged in a mm. positive way with wisdom and with positive articulation. 
and we need to be brave enough to do that. So we shouldn't fall for the trap that it's about freedom of speech versus the Muslims. Yeah. With all due respect, there are so many examples, even in British society, that this, that, you know, when when it's conducive to some people or the powers that be, their likes or dislikes, yeah. they basically call something offensive and they take people to court or they ban them or they remove them from platforms. But when it comes to, you know, denigrating a minority and its symbols and its religious figures, then, yeah. oh, that's not a problem, that's freedom of speech. Uh, and what's interesting... That's, you that's, know, that's power. That's that's the power's ability to shape um, how, a, how a story is presented. Simple absolutely. That. absolutely. Uh, I mean, you, I think you, you, you mentioned that, okay, let's think about as a society, what are the values and what are the, um, you know... Um, priorities that we should what are the things that we should prioritize in order to um fulfill the objectives of free speech and truth and, and accountability and so forth so what would you say some of those are it's a very 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 good topic i mean the first thing that one needs to do is that we have to actually value the objectives of freedom of speech right because we've valued the instrument but we haven't valued the the ends <laughs> we value we value the means more than the ends yeah so let's value truth what is truth why is it important what is true progress scientific and technological progress in a society what is good and true accountability so these are very important <laughs> topics you know do we treat truth as a moral value or is it just yeah. instrumental right all of these things need to be discussed in some way but at least we should value the objects of freedom of speech that's the first point so uh, we have to understand that freedom of speech is an instrument. It's a means to these mm. uh, objectives which are necessary for human flourishing. In actual fact, even John Stuart Mill said something very similar about that it's, it's, it's about human flush, flourishing or it's about our progress and so on and so yeah. forth. So uh, let's value the objectives of freedom of speech, okay? Then what we need to do, we need to basically also value civility, I'm a true believer that... Be a civilized person. Yeah. That's it. Because because that's why, you know, I would argue, you know, some of these French ideological extremists, Mm. you know, who really want to always bash, you know, and denigrate minorities and and stuff like that. These people, they're uncivilized. They they hate civility. They hate civility. Because what, what do we mean by civility? Because civility dictates that we want a society that is constructed in a way that you can have truth, accountability, and progress to the utmost degree, to the most mm. maximal degree. And that requires a sense of understanding, cooperation, understanding other people, understanding what makes you distinct. Because Allah has said something very powerful in the Quran, that he created us from a male and female and made us into tribes and nations in order to what? لِتَعَرَفُ To know one another. The Mufassirin, <clears throat> this is not a neoliberal thing that says, oh, there's more that unites us, that makes us different. This could be utter bakwa sometimes, yeah? What's important, the Quran is saying, understand what makes you different. What makes you distinct? Because it's these differences mm-hmm. and these distinctions that actually can be the source of anxiety, fear, and civil unrest, if you like. Once you start to understand the human nature behind them or the validity behind them and all of these things, then it removes the anxiety, fear, and frustration. So we need to create a Quranic society 
that is based on this getting to know one another in a true sense yeah. that removes all the barriers to uh, being uncivil. And this is very important and it's not discussed, which is a shame. Mm. For example, if I want to articulate my truth, someone who is considered as a preacher to Islam, if you like, if I want to, if I want to discuss my truth to say a, a religious tradition, the duty is on me to understand them, to understand their language, their culture, their context, and yes, their sensitivities. Why? Because my objective is not my ego. My objective is not to say, I'm right, you're wrong, to the degree where I destroy any chance of them accepting the truth. My objective is, how do I take my fellow human being on a journey towards the truth? Yeah. So therefore, if the moral duty is on me to do whatever is necessary to achieve that. So in the context of this teacher that brought, brought this cartoon, he should have understood that context more. And as again, I don't know the, what actually happened, but say From what is reported. it is the way it's been portrayed. He should have, he could have, he could have taught that lesson in a way that didn't require any promotion of that cartoon. Because even as a philosopher, you could have so many different thought experiments and examples that don't have to refer <coughs> to the thing that you're talking about that is sensitive in nature. This is adab. This yeah. is sensitivity. This is civility. Now, and now it's, don't it's get me more, wrong. It's more, it's more than just someone showing the cartoon though, remember. So it's the, it's the parents would be just... The parent, a parent, as a parent, I would want to know that someone teaching my child isn't someone who um, has such a juvenile understanding of free speech, for example, because there's so many other things that could um, get mixed up with that, right? Someone who just, you know, they they believe wanton insult uh, and so-called blasphemy. Even though I don't use that phrase because of uh, it's it's it, it, it's European connotations, Eurocentric connotation. The you know what kind of what kind of environment is that teacher or 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 is that kind of lesson going to foster if you're encouraging just insult for the purpose of insult again not not some kind of rational argument which you might find incidentally you know a bit offensive but actual mockery yes. and, and and cartoon of and course the, and, and there is a clear difference between intellectual mm. tone and deliberate and gratuitous insult right there's a massive difference. And the Islamic intellectual tradition with through its, throughout its history has been known to have intellectual debates and dialogues on these issues, right? Yeah. And, to, and even to raise these issues, but it was done within a intellectual tone that was somehow, mm -hmm. well, there was a, some, some kind of collective sincerity that this was about trying to find out the truth of the matter. Yeah. But in and even, 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 subhanAllah, sorry to cut you off, um, even when Muslims are instructed to when giving da'wah, Allah says, فَلَا تَسُبُّ الَّذِينَ يَدُعُنَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَسُبُّ اللَّهَ عَدْوًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمِ Don't yes. curse those that they, the idols that they worship. Don't yes. curse them, don't... Uh, so, know. yeah. And you're saying, you're, you're saying it's a false god, so that's that's enough of a, 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 a denigration, right? But there's a difference between saying, don't worship the idol, and actually... Mocking it and cursing it and so forth. Yeah, because so then Allah example, says they're going to then curse Allah just out of stubbornness and and tit for tat. Yeah, yeah, for knowledge. sure. Take for example, mm. um, my my personal experience. Yeah, 
So about six years ago or something, I said something about the founder of uh, the Turkish Republic. Right? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> that was just to, to, to sell your Turkish book, right? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't actually. That probably I didn't, viral. I, didn't, I didn't even write a book then at that time. Anyway, oh, yeah, and my and what happened was, you know, it, it got viral six years later or something. In retrospect, was it the right thing to do? No. Because the way I articulated myself wasn't following the eye of the Quran. Because with all due respect, that individual has become like a like literally like an idol for many people. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And the way I expressed myself, although what I, I, I have certain beliefs about this situation for sure, but the way I expressed myself as a public figure, was it conducive to taking people on a journey so they understand what mm. I understand to be the truth? <clears throat> no. So that was a mistake. And, and that is case in point that I want to say I want to articulate to the masses about a particular individual that I believe was X, Y, and Z. How do I do that in a way that takes them on the journey? Mm. And that requires, for example, me to appreciate that the truth is more important than just me merely expressing my opinion about a matter. And this is civility. And this is if you, if you respect truth, and you respect accountability and progress and all of the objectives of freedom of speech, then you're not going to be so naive and egocentric and egotistical just to say things just, just for the sake of it. But yeah, we appreciate there are some great areas as well. Yeah, even yeah. if you're sensitive and even if you try your best, you may get yourself in a sticky wicket. That's life. I'm not saying it's all black and white. But when it comes to these types of situations, it's clear, very clear on that there are more than there were other ways possible to be able to convey your truth or the truth convey the message in a way that doesn't require you mm. to denigrate <clears throat> to degrade and to create a, a political social environment yeah. that facilitates the furtherance of denigrating a already downtrodden minority yeah. and and this is very important to understand because it's not just about philosophy this is about society and politics and how we view other people and do we yeah. want this to exist? No, we, we, we don't want this to exist, not only to the Muslims, but to any minority. We don't want this to the Jewish people. We don't want this to the, the Sikhs. We don't want this to happen to anyone because we believe in necessary morals in a particular society, which include mm. civility. I truly believe civility is a, a moral value from that yeah. perspective. Creating, you know, yeah. Prophet Salam, he's famous, he said, Salam. you know, Right? I was only sent to perfect um, noble qualities of character. Right? Okay. Absolutely, absolutely, hundred um, percent. So and this is something we should be that. pushing because it's 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 interesting and I think beneficial to talk about. Okay, what what's our positive case? You know, for the competing values and and concretization. Yeah. Itself. So take even historically, like Islamic Spain where even Western academics called it paradise on earth. It was a convivente, a coexistence of different peoples. You know, European enlightenment and scientific progress is predicated on the historical milestone of Islamic yeah. Spain. You know, read the works of, uh, uh, of Thomas Arnold and his preaching of Islam and so on and so forth. And that happened, why? Because there was a social political framework that didn't have this kind of yeah. liberal kind of principle distance and they, they it was more of 
No, we're going to we're going to convey and propagate and promulgate certain yeah. key values in society. But that, that's that's liberalism's kind of um, uh, entanglement with with the uh, you know modernity and colonialism and Im- imperialism and, and white supremacy and stuff. It's very deeply embedded into it. And Islamic is just one uh, uh, you know, other example. Islamic civilization of I remember reading. Uh, the other actually yesterday, I was brother who's in Greece, a, a Greek island. Um, he's there. Um, actually, I don't want to mention too much because I think he's uh, doing something um, for his career, his job and stuff. But um, he was saying he was just walking down the street and um, not fully non-Muslim area, like a Greek island. And he goes, there was um, there was a sign to a mosque, an old Ottoman mosque. And he goes, uh, he followed the sign, and there was some curate, curator there, a non-Muslim Greek uh, fellow, and he's like, uh, you know, finally someone, uh, you know, is coming to the thing because of lockdown and all that. So he gave him a tour and everything, and he said, you know, um, the Ottomans and Ottomans by no means perfect, right? Had a lot of issues, but he said the, it, it, the we had more freedom. People had more freedom under the Ottomans than um, they do today, right? And he's like, really? He goes. But you know, you, you you wouldn't tell from looking at the kind of um, the, the 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 public polemics about Greece and and Turkey yes. and that kind of stuff. But he said we don't say this in public. <laughs> he said the curator said he goes we we all talk about this privately, but we don't we don't say this in public. Uh, and, I, and then I remember they, um, uh, a seventh century Christian bishop, right? I read somewhere in. Um, just this book, uh, just, just as a reference, where right, I was just checking, I heard someone mention it, and I, and and I, and I found it there. He was saying, you know, these. He was in Mesopotamia somewhere, um, I think. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he, he, it was in the time of Muawiyah radhiyallahu anhu. So very early on, Banu Umayyah, the, the first uh, uh, kind of um, kingdom after the Khulafa Rashidun, and he said, you know, these Muslims, they're all right. Um, you know, the, you, you pay your taxes, they leave you alone and stuff. But I've got one criticism of them. Um, they don't persecute the Jews. <laughs> no, my God. You know, that was his criticism of Muslims. You know, he's like, why are they treating them so nicely and that kind of stuff? So this is a this is what I wanted to. Uh, another thing I wanted to kind of segue to, and that is, it's one thing to say, okay, for a, uh, for a, a society to flourish, um, here are the values that we should encourage inculcate with each other, and here is the priority that we should give to certain things. But it's another thing to say, look, uh, uh, to be mature enough to say, look, we're going to actually disagree on that. This community, that community, that group there, that even within the community, people are going to disagree on the exact concretization of where the cards fall once you mix all the values into the pot. And yes. I think that is the thing that um, modernity has struggled with so much. And that is the thing that Islam pretty early on, because you have to make a decision, right? If you're an expansionist kind of worldview and you're calling people to your ranks and stuff, are you going to completely bulldoze everyone who's not like you, or are you going to actually, you know, learn to live and let live, right? This is the obviously the 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 the, the decision, quote unquote, that um, you know Islamic civilization made early on. Yeah, but that's not happening on, today, unfortunately, because yeah. we I was speaking about this earlier. I was doing something with King's College. And this idea that just because you find, for example, a sexual practice to be unethical, mm. now the narrative is forming that therefore you discriminate against p- human beings. There is no logical link between finding something unethical 
and just because the person who's doing that unethical thing that now you're going to discriminate hate and want to basically be unjust to the person who's doing it mm. but that's what's happening and what they're trying to do they're, they're trying to create a kind of a monolithic value culture that everyone has the same values and same ideas and same ideological constructs and he said and this is one of the failures of modern liberalism i believe where you know liberalism was supposed to be this kind of you know tolerance and all minorities can be together and everyone live and share ideas and discuss yeah. <clears throat> that actually it's, it's a failed project because what you see from an applied point of view you yeah. see that what liberalism is trying to do is just make everyone liberal <laughs> that's that's the problem and that's one of the failures of liberalism because it whilst hasn't being, been whilst being blind to its own um biases and like i said religiosity right uh, sometimes we kind of play into that as well so if you talk look at our kind of response to hijab bans and that kind of stuff right um we kind of fall into the whole religious rights versus public life kind of paradigm that they've given us whereas what i what we normally argue in some trends for example is look get yourself out of that imagine if a um white british lady was was shipped off to some you know the amazon rainforest where there's a tribe there that just their norm is walk, walking around topless right um and she says well actually um that's not you know m- for me you know my norm is i should be covered from here to here in in public this is why i should be covered where i should be covered now she's not going to articulate herself in the language of this is my this is a christian blouse yeah <laughs> and, and they're not going to say or they shouldn't say you know um this is okay this is your this is a religious exception for you but no because she's not talking religion or whatever this is regardless of where that where the sources of that norm or cultural value or uh, mori this is this is what is normal for her a normative practice for her to cover in public likewise for the muslim woman the normative practice for her to cover in public includes her hair right yes. and if we argue on the basis of i feel you know the the religious exemption and so forth we've successfully provincialized that woman um and accepted the dominant norm the 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 the, the universalizing of the 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 white christian kind of uh, uh concretization of this is what is normal to be covered in public rather it should be about um forcing ourselves onto the table as equals right uh, you may think that this is the norm of behavior in public of of whatever it is and but we believe otherwise either you're going to try and suppress us or civilize us or you could actually have a grown up discussion and try and live to uh, uh, live and let live yeah absolutely and this is a problem and that's why you know our narrative concerning these type of issues should be well this is what i know to be true and i know to be moral and i have justifications for this philosophically and otherwise <clears throat> and i'm not going to assume that you are the kind of self evident default position or that you are the kind of majority yeah. default position you are the kind of beacon of truth and morality no i have the haq i have the truth and i want to articulate that to you now either you can basically as you said try and oppress me and subjugate me 
or you consider me as an equal and you understand my positions and if you disagree with them then just live and let live yeah. right from that perspective <laughs> yeah absolutely so that you're right so mm-hmm. i think that's a very very important thing so we But talked about i think the yeah yeah go ahead i think the message to the muslim community should be that should be one of the key messages to empower them yeah. don't fall for the trap of the freedom of speech issue we know freedom of speech has to be restricted in some way there's a, almost an academic consensus 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 on this and it's impossible and for it be, not to be it's like a yes and that is necessity. based on competing values yeah. and morals so what we should do we should say hey don't this is a red herring this freedom of speech stuff We believe in truth, accountability, and progress, which are the objectives of freedom of speech. We believe these morals and values are the right way, right? You, yeah. And we have justifications for this. And either you could try and subjugate us, or you listen to our discourse and narrative. And if we yeah. disagree, we live and let live. And that's more of an apparent position. And unfortunately, I think we haven't got there yet in terms of a collective narrative amongst the Muslim community to be able to articulate that position. We should say, look, this is the way forward. These are the morals and values you need to provide the necessary restrictions of speech in order to fulfill its objectives. Yeah, yeah. You need to listen to us. So the Muslim community must become, in my view, an intellectual moral beacon of light. Honestly. Yeah. yeah Because yeah. remember, Muslims, we must be committed to all human <clears throat> beings. You know, love for humanity, we're love for yourself. And this commitment is we're committed to the goodness and the guidance. And this is exactly what we should be doing. So that would be the kind of take-home message of community leaders. By the way, by the way, by the way, it's unbelievable. What's coming up? You have some Muslims who like their responses to this issue is, Who are you, man? <laughs> like, what's wrong with these people? Like, where's your iman? Like, well, like, I feel it's like, let's call a spade a spade, bro. Let's, let's, like, you know, forget this intellectualism for a moment. Some people's statements on this issue are not mm. only philosophically incoherent, but it's as if they have never read the Quran before in their life, or they've never read the seerah of the Prophet mm-hmm. before. And I'm thinking to myself, why are these people trying to take leadership? If you have an inferiority complex, if you don't know how to defend the Islamic tradition properly, the best thing you should do is, frankly, shut up. That's the best <laughs> thing you should do. You know, well, like, but yet people will articulate themselves in ways that are so antithetical mm. to normative mainstream Islamic tradition. Wow, I find it so shocking, man. So that brings us on to some of the um, comments we've been getting. We've got a lot of comments, mashallah, uh, Samuel, Quran. Why do you just We've brush me aside like Zakwan, that, so I'm trying to do a little uh, wicked wicked mix comment. move for uh, a little, nice little uh, segue. At least say you agree yeah. with me. No, I mean, <laughs> I want you to actually expand on this because the question that they're saying is, okay, what, What are your view, best? What are the best ways of actually dealing with this issue? Because you know, sometimes, um, you know, we we might play into the the, the trap of the, the using the narratives and and behavior of what right wing kind of uh, racist kind of newspapers they want to show us as doing. Um, but what I and, and so kind of you know it helps that go become mainstream kind of uh, news and makes a martyr of the 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 people. Uh, p- p- Uh, perpetrators so what what is your view on how we should actually respond should we go and burn up some cars or 
What? Yeah. I, I think I just. Oh, sorry. So we're going to bun up some cars. You know, uh, start. Oh, yeah, you don't know what that means. <laughs> no, I don't. Bun up. <laughs> you say so, burn. No, no, no. What? <laughs> but okay. So the one is obviously you know you start writing, <laughs> writing, and all that kind of stuff, right? Listen. Okay. Obviously, Hackney, no bro, writing so you know for sure. Is. Look. We already mentioned the kind of narrative we should be pursuing, yeah. but the song that we've, we, we've missed out, we should also show to people why we love the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I truly believe anyone who, who learns his life, learns his teachings, looks at all the corpus of, his, of the material concerning his teaching, concerning economics, concerning social cohesion, mm. concerning love, mercy, compassion, justice, law, so on and so forth, politics, so on and so forth. Once they understand the message of the Prophet that you know there is yeah. no deity where they worship, worship. He must be known. He must be loved. He must be obeyed, and we must direct all acts of worship yeah. to God alone, and that we must follow the Prophet in order to to be recipients of divine love and forgiveness. Because Allah says, "Say to the Prophet say, if you love Allah, then follow me, and Allah will love you and forgive your sins." You know, if we show them this and if they explore this, I truly believe they will fall in love with the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And we should have a sense of empathy that they don't have anyone like this they love. With all due respect, Sama. who loves someone like we love the Prophet sallam? That the sacrifices that we will make and the yearning that we have for him in terms of love and affection, I don't think anyone has that. And it's really sad that no one has that in their lives, right? Mm. You know, we live in a very kind of you know, egocentric, narcissistic society now that even, you know, the partners that we love, yeah. they're just projections of our own selves. We don't really love the other. We're just loving our own selves. It's a crisis of love. Like one German philosopher, he's a Korean descent, but German philosopher, he wrote the book called The Crisis of Eros, I believe. Phenomenal book, by the way, you should read it. That we don't know how to love anymore. People don't know how to love. People will never make the sacrifices that we will for the Prophet for even their own mothers or for their own beloveds, like wife, partners, whatever. And that's sad. How can you live a life without that type of love? And we should feel for people, honestly. The Prophet is our beloved. And yeah. we should show them why they should love him too. Yeah. And this should be the narrative. We love the Prophet because he was the messenger of Allah. He was Habib Allah. He was the love of Allah. Yeah. Following him is a way to manifest and understand and practice your purpose in life, which is to worship mm -hmm. Allah, which means to know Allah, to love Allah, to obey him, and to direct all acts of worship to him alone. So here's a question is, from, here's a, yeah. here's a contention from someone in the comments, right? Toby yeah, sure. Luke 1, and you probably hear this a lot. I'm quite sure schools show the life of Brian, a blasphemous film, you know, mocking Isa but mobs don't go and form and no one goes into hiding. Learning uh, and seeing things you don't like is not getting and not getting angry is part of life. Well, there's a difference between being angry and how you manifest that anger. Like no one has a right to say you're not allowed to be angry about something. Of course, you should be. It's a natural emotion, and if you and if you have it in the right way, it's not blameworthy at all, uh, for sure. You know, mm. if someone insults someone that you love a lot, if you not if you don't feel a sense of anger then you don't really love that person, right? <laughs> but the question is now, how do you manifest that anger? Yeah, so I would agree. You're not going to have mobs and burning cars and, and being I think violent. that's a bit of a red herring anyway. Nobody's burning cars anyway. <laughs> but that's the whole point. Yeah. It is a red herring. It's a yeah. smelly fish that's, yeah. that's dragged along the path of running dogs just to divert them to 
uh, you know, another direction. What, what color so it's is a bit it? of a red herring. So no one says that you should do that. But what right do you have to say to people they can't be angry exactly. and they can't protest? In actual fact, according to the absolutists here who say freedom of speech is absolute, then you shouldn't complain about them protesting because isn't that their freedom of speech as well? Yeah. <laughs> you know, your whole argument falls on the floor. You're saying the teacher should have done that. It's his freedom of speech. Okay, so don't complain about the parents. It's their freedom of speech Absolutely. as well. And that you highlights the, 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 sec the kind of double standards. And it's also in the question, sorry to the question and not to kind of like uh, rinse you, but <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's a premise in the question that you should act like we act, that we are the standard. We don't have any respect for any yeah, the, the, the reputation of Isa Islam or any historical figure. Abibi, listen to this. Secularism has destroyed, there's nothing sacred anymore. The only sacred thing in secularism, generally speaking, is secularism itself. And profits. Everything else has basically, you've removed anything sacred. And you've seen that in this society. We don't they went from the, they went from respecting prophets, alayhim salam, to a prophet. Yeah, bro, they they were right, deep. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, mashallah. If I do say so myself. Your buzzer, your I, I had to, I had to. Uh, <laughs> I just came up with that on the spot. No, you're right. So you know they've removed anything sacred. And let me tell you something. And you know, think about this. If you remove any sense of the sacred in society, what you end up doing is you end up with the form of what you call self-worship. Mm. That you start worshipping the ego. And once you start worshipping the ego, you start worshipping the shahawat, the blameworthy desires. And once that happens, you would end up having a society that would be full of social degradation and decay. Reap what you sow. Be very careful. Mm. If you remove the sacred, you're going to have another idol. You're going to have something else that you're going to try to sanctify. And that may end up being yourself. This is like the Nietzschean prophetic kind of wow. uh, vision that he had when he said God is dead. He didn't say God is dead, that he doesn't exist per se. He said God is dead in the hearts of European people. And once people understand that, they're going to realize they don't, they can't, they don't, they can't have any values anymore. They can't uh, ground their values in anything objective. And then they're going to realize that the only way to do that is to ground values in themselves. And Nietzsche even understood, mm. but that means everyone's going to have their own different set of values. And there's going to be like a competition of values based on, the, you know, their own perspectives and egos. Yeah. And then he basically replied, if you like, well, I have my values, where are yours? And I think he had almost like a prophetic statement about where we're heading uh, as, 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 a, yeah. as, you know, as Europeans and Brits in the West, yeah. where... You know, if you remove God and, you know, the sacred out of the picture, you end up basically having this form of yeah. self-aggrandizement and self-worship from that perspective. And you're going to see some very dangerous things that people, that our moral values are going to be drifting from a social perspective to this kind of... To worshipping the material impulses. Well, listen, that, it's going to be, it's going to be social decay and, and, mm. and fragmentation. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of signs of that at the moment, which is uh, quite unfortunate. Mm. But that's another discussion to be had about moral values and objective moral values and the role of God and divine command theory, all of that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen well, the one who takes his, his, Lord, his, his, his own impulses his own God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's a different discussion. So, I think two things should be said again, just to repeat if people are just coming on now. 
that the main message should be is that this has nothing to do with freedom of speech. It's about freedom, freedom of speech has to be restricted necessarily, even according to academics. Mm. But the question is, that is based upon competing values and morals. So therefore, we should say this is nothing to do with freedom of speech. It's to do with what morals and values are going to be those that will provide the necessary restrictions to speech to speech in order to fulfill the objectives of freedom of speech, which is truth, accountability, and progress. Yeah. And we should be equal partners in that discussion. And we should say these are the moral values, values of civility, values of good akhlaq, and so on and so forth. And we've shown them to, be, to have worked throughout our history. And we've shown that you could is still conducive to progress and accountability and, and 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 truth. And that's what we should show. That's the discussion we should have in a very assertive, positive, intellectual way. And on the other hand, we should show them why this response is actually justified because we love this man, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we we and, and we we need to show why we love him. Yeah. And once we get people to explore that, then it gives them a chance to love him too and really understand who he was and how he would liberate us mm. from the shackles of our own selves, right? Um and Sheikh Haytham added as well that one thing that one reason why we should um be active um in defending the Prophet Sallam and you know putting forth these arguments and these this this alternative to building an actual actually a civil society uh, obviously in a wise way he said one reason is you don't want to let it linger to get worse and worse and then allah will punish us all allah will punish the society because this is our country you know if something becomes endemic in a in a society then many times in history um allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has destroyed people for the animosity to the prophet allah said inna kafaynaka almustahzi'in you know we have certainly sufficed you uh, of the mockers and in nashani akahwal abtar, you know, the, your enemy, your obnoxious enemy, is the one who's cut off. So yes. we don't want this to spread either into the society, um, regardless to, um, you know, uh, because this is our home. Zakla um, khair, bro, uh, for your time. I think uh, I'll let you go now, inshallah. Uh, May Allah bless you. Zakla uh, for the opportunity. May Allah bless you. And, uh, and you. Have you got cane rolls on now or something? No, <laughs> my my wife actually was uh, d- doing it the other day because uh, my hair's gone quite long. But I'm not wearing; it's just wearing the like little man hairband. <laughs> Thanks for uh, <laughs> exposing me there. I thought it was hidden in there. No, it looks really nice, but it looks mashallah Thanks, very bro. nice. Just come down to the ends and get some uh, free kebabs from boss man. Inshallah. <laughs> Take it. Uh, Zakhlai for the And for you guys watching at home. Hamza's still there uh, listening cheekily. Uh, stick around. We'll have a, a little gap shop in a minute. But uh, if you like this podcast, give it a like and a share. I think people are still watching. Uh, alhamdulillah. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can rewind and uh, forward and all that kind of stuff. You can't forward from now because, you know future uh, but if you're watching this it's going to be going out on the normal podcast platforms uh, apple itunes spotify google all that kind of stuff um and yeah remember to subscribe if you're into this stuff if you liked it give it a like if you disliked it then press the thumb downs button twice yeah uh, that's <laughs> it for me uh i'll speak to you later and i'll leave you with this cool little outro assalamualaikum warahmatullah <laughs>